0: Yeah, I hear ya. No, you listen. You guys locked me out on the patio and I politely tapped on the window. Whoa, time out! With your gun! Hmm, debatable. The Weekly Hangover. This will probably hurt, but you'll be thirsty for more. You guys, it has been a wonderful week. It was a wonderful weekend. I've got so much to tell to you guys. I got my buddy Braden back on the phone. Everyone remembers Braden. He's been on here a couple of times. Braden, what's up, man?
1: How are you doing,
0: dude? I'm good. You want to talk about the weather?
1: <laughs> Actually, it's raining like a mofo here, and I mean dumping. So we could talk about the weather, but I mean, I'm pretty sure you've experienced rain before. Uh, so that's what we got right now.
0: Well, yeah, we have experienced it once or twice before. It's, uh, it's supposed to snow here between one and five inches tomorrow for us. It's five inches a lot in one night. I mean, I
1: feel like that's not a lot compared to some places, but I feel like that could have an impact. No,
0: no, it definitely has an impact. Like our whole town like shuts down. It seems, yeah, it's it's gonna be nuts. But I still gotta go to work, so I don't care.
1: Yeah, I remember one time uh, when we went to Boston. I took a trip to Boston like two years ago. And uh, I remember that around the town, there's fire extinguishers everywhere. And on, attached to these fire extinguishers are these giant long, like, red and white poles. And I asked a local what those poles were, and they told me they're, they're there so that they can find the fire hydrants in the snow. And I mean, these poles had to be sticking up probably five or six feet into the air on top of the fire hydrant. And so it was right then and there that I decided I will never live in Boston, at least in the winter times.
0: Like, Richmond is nothing like that. Like, sometimes it'll snow, you know, almost close to a foot, but no, nothing nothing like Boston. Nowhere, like, in the northeast.
1: Yeah, and, and it's, it's incredibly cold on top of that. I mean, snow is cold anyways, but then you're talking just ridiculously low temperature. It just sounds miserable. And then you go to a place like New York City where if it snows, like, I've been there in the summertime, and it's great. I could not imagine going there when it's snowing, it just seems like it would be incredibly hectic and difficult to do anything. Uh, I just, I couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. So I'm hoping it doesn't snow here. Well, that's good. Mm. Thanks
0: for the uh, weather update, dude. Yep. Yeah. yep. <laughs> dude, so this weekend, I had a very exciting weekend. Let me tell you about it from start to finish. You ready? I'm ready. All right, dude. So... I actually, as you know, and other people may know, I just got a new car, by the way. So I just started uh, Ubering, which <laughs> it's actually been very lucrative so far. I've done very well. But that was just the beginning to my weekend. You know, St. Patrick's Day was normal, you know, normal, normal fun stuff. Hung out with some friends, you know, had a beer or two. Nothing crazy. Uh, actually, how was your St. Patty's Day? I was in
1: Arizona. So I went out to Phoenix. To support, uh, my company sent me out there to do a move. We had a, a new office opening right next to our existing office space. So I was sent out there to provide extra hands and help manage the crew. So I had really good weather down there. It was really nice. I caught a spring training game while I was down there for the Giants, which is something I recommend for any baseball fan. Scottsdale in general, the Phoenix area is a pretty nice area right now. I don't think I'd want to be there in the summer when it's 125 degrees and planes mm-hmm. can't land. But spending St. Patrick's Day there, I didn't do too much into the festivities. I was pretty burnt, and I had an early morning flight on Sunday. Mm-hmm. So other than that, it was pretty good. I've never been to Phoenix for St. Patrick's Day, so I I can't say that anymore.
0: Yeah, dude, my my St. Patty's Day wasn't too crazy. You know, I did see a fight. Well, it was kind of a scuffle. There's only about three punches thrown. Nothing crazy. And then this Sunday, ask me what I did on my Sunday. Go ahead, ask. <sighs>
1: What did you do
0: this Sunday? Dude, I'm glad you asked. So when I had I had my very first live show for this podcast, I had I was reached out to by this promotion company for people that don't know. I was reached out to and they said, hey, we found you on SoundCloud. Uh, what's up? We want to know if you want to do a show. And I'm like, well, all I do is a podcast. You know, it's just audio. And they're like, well, you know, you could do it live on stage. Let us know. And I was like, well, I do have some funny stories that I would like to share. You know, I was... I told, or they told me this about a month ago, or a month or two ago, and they set it up, flyers were sent out, tickets were sold, and yesterday, or not yesterday, but Sunday, I got to the event, checked in, you know, I was pretty, I was nervous a little bit, but I was like, nervous of excitement, you know, I was very excited to be there, be there with, you know, some friends and co-workers, and just to share what I want to talk about, you know, stories that you and I have lived through, stories that I've just molded me to the person i am today dude it was so much fun there's this guy before us i forget his he was a we said he was a a band but his act name was left to die and he kind of looked like a like punk rock but he was actually like rapping and and he was you know playing guitar and piano and it was it wasn't hard to follow his act like he tried real hard but dude it was uh it was pretty pretty atrocious
1: no he uh, he tried his best did he Did he warm up the crowd for you in a sense of, did he take the pressure off of you because he was not as good or or did he get the crowd riled up in terms of, you know, now they're out for blood because it can be, it can turn hostile when you have an act that nobody likes and you have to follow that act. So they're either in a a mood to to heckle or they can be flipped. What would you say the atmosphere was like? How many people did you have there?
0: I don't know. I had probably like, I only had like 30 coworkers or so that like bought tickets. Honestly, there wasn't too many people. It was a Sunday at like six thirty seven or whenever I went on. But I don't know, less than 200, I would say. I feel like you're underestimating
1: that crowd size. I mean, that's after a major holiday, right? Everybody went went out and drinking on, on Saturday. And I can tell you, I've never had to get up in front of 200 people and say anything. So don't, don't sell yourself short there, man.
0: No, dude, it was definitely a great experience, you know, but the guy that uh, was bright before me, it was, it was a pretty, it was a pretty rough show. Like, you know, he was like trying to like get the crowd to sing in on it. And it, we just had, I had no idea like what he was talking about or what he was singing about, you know I mean? But I guess you got to start somewhere, you know?
1: That's a guy you're going to hear about in five years and you're going to be like, Oh, I remember when, <laughs> posh.0 .O came to Chico one time, and this was before he had the show and before he got famous. And I think five or six people went to his show, oh. and nobody paid attention when he came through. And now his tickets go for two hundred and fifty bucks for nosebleeds. You know, <laughs> um, I'm I'm not sure if he's still quite as relevant, but just to know that you know you you, you do have to start somewhere, and your product not everybody will understand it right away, but if you just keep at it, you'll perfect it, and you know hopefully get better.
0: So. When I got up on stage, you know, I had a bunch of a uh, bunch of friends that were cheering and yelling and screaming and and co-workers. So I definitely had a lot of support. So it was just a blank, like a blank stage. Like I was I thought I was going to have like a stand up there, you know, almost like a not a podium, but just a stand where I could I brought a little uh, note sheet up there. Didn't have anything. So the DJ or whoever gave me a microphone and he told me, he's like, hey, you know, when the other guy gets off, you're going to go up there. And uh, whenever the music stops, you know, that's when you can start. And I was like, all right, right on. So I went up there and there was, you know, it was a completely blank stage. So I grabbed a chair like out of the crowd and I just pulled it up with me on stage. I was like, yo, what's up, everybody? So it, it started off strong. I, I felt it was a lot of fun.
1: So, what was your preparation like backstage? Obviously, I, I think I would be more nervous if I had to perform in front of in front of family and friends that I have to see again on Monday, as compared to people that I'm never going to see again. So, kind of, what was your what was going on in your mind backstage in terms of like just prepping yourself, trying to get the jitters out, getting your material in line? I don't know how many times you practiced your material. <laughs> so, what, what was that like for you?
0: Well, it wasn't about just like practicing the material like a lot of the stories were from years ago so I wanted the stories to be fresh in my head and I had like a lineup you know the ones actually I showed you a photo of I had a lineup written out if you guys wanted it to flow in from one story to another and there was a time where I legitimately just like forgot like what I was talking about but you know just pressed on like I don't think anyone noticed but yeah it was it was a little a little nerve wracking and but it was really exciting and and then like us sit on this chair and you know it was great and I'm telling sto- the stories and then I get up and I'm telling another story and then I like jumped off stage and you know I, I I was really feeling good at that time dude it was so
1: much fun. Did you get applause or were you met with crickets on most of your jokes?
0: No, dude. Definitely some applause or your stories. So. My friends were definitely cheering and supporting like they were supposed to. But the people that were not my friends or co-workers, they were there to see like uh, like hip-hop groups. You know, because the guy that before me, I, I don't know, actually, I don't know what you classify as music as. But there was people after us that were rapping and doing a show. So I definitely think it was, they were expecting music. But when I got up there and after I gave an intro, I was like, by the way, I'm not a comedian. I'm just going to tell you some funny, crazy stories. And... Man, there were some... You remember the story about when uh, your dad... About the dog? You know, we're going to try to put your dog down?
1: Yeah. You told the dog story.
0: Yeah, of course I did. People were like... Uh, some coworkers. they were like... Like, almost shocked because... If, but I was like, no, I didn't kill this dog. So, it, but it, <laughs> it definitely left a... I thought it left a good impression on people's minds. Was, I thought it was funny.
1: So, you think people think you're a better person after that story? Because or... <laughs> I was there. And I remember the discussion. I remember... I under—it's funny because without being there, it's hard to really provide the context of the situation. We were really just trying to do the dog a favor.
0: Yeah, dude, that, <laughs> that dog, dog was having yeah, a rough life. That dog needed to die, dude. That dog was tired. It needed a freaking dog nap and go to the farm, you know.
1: It, I totally concur. That dog had seen many better days, and I, you know, I commend my dad for trying to give it a good home but the reality is it was just i i if i was in that condition as a person i would say let's go ahead and wrap this up i don't yeah it's just funny so i could just imagine the shock value of a room that that would you know taking over a room that that story would uh but it does have a comedic element to it and i thought the way we went about it was funny
0: yeah for sure dude it was uh, i think the whole crowd was you know, there are some times where people like had, or people that weren't my friends or whatever, they're just almost kind of seem like they're just ready for some music. And I'm not going to lie, but there was, <laughs> <laughs> it, there. I don't think there was any crickets by any means. Like I, my friends and people at support, they said they had a great time. So I thought it was good.
1: So is this something you want to do again? Or was this a bucket list type deal?
0: Well, it was a goal that I wanted to do. You know, I saw some people that have big podcasts start you know going up on stage and doing like comedy sets and I was like I'm not a comedian but I do like it sounds crazy but I do like telling stories and have uh not the attention be on me but I want people to listen to what I'm going to say so you know what I mean yeah so this guy that I work with he was telling me is like dude they, there's people he actually came to the show he was telling me that He's like they have uh, story slams, or I forget exactly what they call it, but it's like where people can pretty much go onto like an open mic and just like tell funny stories. And I was like, man, that sounds such a good idea. And he's like, yeah, some people they or some companies they call it like poetry slam or something slam, where you can get up and pretty much they'll give you the open mic to do, say, or do whatever you want. And there's a place here in Richmond, Virginia that does it every Saturday for, for like, two hours. So I definitely think I'm going to try to do it again, you know, but it was cool this time because I got paid for it. So I think just next time or whenever I do it again, I think I'll just try to, I don't know, do it on a different level. Maybe people they'll be more receptive to it because they they want to be entertained for, like, comedic purpose, you know what I
1: mean? Right, Well, and I would think that, If you go into it, that sounds, as a fan, that would be kind of a hard venue to go into with any expectations, right? If I go see a comedian, then I understand I'm there to laugh. So to have a mix of some crappy one-man show slash musician slash whatever that guy's doing, and then a comedic element coming right behind that, that's kind of a a mood changer, right? So as a fan, it can be. But also maybe their agenda is just you don't know what you're going to get, and that's half the fun and the mystery. There's the entertainment even in a crappy act right there's there's still part of the human element that wants to see people struggle and fail and which is sad but it's true and so you know personally i would think that that's entertainment no matter what Uh, i would feel bad for a person that's up there bombing obviously it takes a lot of courage just to get up there in the first place but it would be hard to have expectations buying that ticket of what i'm really getting into
0: absolutely like i mean someone's got to start the show and someone's got to end the show and I might as well
1: get up and tell some
0: funny stories that I want to share, you know?
1: Right. Was it videotaped? so you can go back and watch and see what was good or, you know, to refine it for the next time? Does, is this, does this live somewhere digital? No,
0: it doesn't. It just lives in my heart. That's all.
1: So it's an exclusive deal. You had to be there.
0: Yeah. Well, so there was people that had a photographer out there for their own act, but the promoter, they said, yeah, no one is going to be able to record it. And I even reached out to the actual club manager and she said that they did not record it. She's like, yeah, we'll let you know if anyone has footage or whatever. So,
1: no. Uh, well, I imagine that's how, you get, that's how you get people in the door as well, you know. If you're just going to stream it for everybody to watch, there's no incentive for them to come to the to the place, right? So, yeah. Uh, that, makes, that makes sense. That makes sense.
0: No, I definitely, I, I wanted to get the audio for it. And then I was going to try to put that on an episode, but that didn't work out. But maybe the next one, you know, it'll probably be a smaller show or just for the what I was talking about, like the slam or get up on stage. I don't know. I forget what it's called. It's called the Richmond Slam. But, yeah, that should be fun.
1: Yeah, man. Well, I'm proud of you, bro. That's that's uh, that's something cool, and I'm glad you were able to put that together for yourself. You marketed the crap out of it. So you're it good, man. I'd love to be out there for one. We'll see if we can't work that out. Dude, that would be so cool. But,
0: yeah, other than that, dude, my weekend was, it was, I mean, it was a pretty solid weekend overall. a Solid A plus. After that, a bunch of friends we went out and got like got some food and drinks and just hung out. So it was a solid end to the weekend,
1: you know. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Other than that, man, uh, besides going out to Arizona, what what happened with you?
1: Anything crazy? No, just that. So a nice little break from the day to day life of work. Good to always see you. I'm, you know, I'm constantly contemplating an, an, an exit strategy to the Bay Area. And so when I get to go to these places, I'm always a little more perked up with my interest in looking around and taking things into account as potential landing spots. Sure. Uh, I really struggle with the idea of the summer times in Phoenix. But other than that, nine months out of the year, it looks like a great place to live. Uh, they're a little more right wing out there than I would probably like in terms of I would say just kind of the good old boys network, if you will. But mm-hmm. other than that, I mean, Scottsdale, again, it's it's a great mix of college town and senior citizens and, and a good mashup in between. I think the neighborhoods are catching up. It's still relatively cheap probably because it's undiscovered or people just don't want to deal with the summertime. Yeah. So opportunities are there. It's just a matter of if it all works out. And there's a couple other spots on my radar, but a lot of these places are becoming the next big san francisco if you will or they're just it's really just trading one rat race for another the east coast has started to creep into my mind a little bit but i'm yeah. not sure i could sell the other half on that <laughs> but it is just looking ahead to the future where do we want to be you know five ten years from now maybe we're still here you never know what could be presented but just trying to think you know, if i was going to go where would we go that type of stuff and then you know obviously talking to alana and getting her opinion <laughs> Dude.
0: That'd be cool, man. I always like changing it up, moving where I was going. You know, I moved around a bunch, as you know, Northern California, Southern California, a couple places here in Virginia, North Carolina. So I do like to move around. But dude, I love Virginia, man. Virginia's home, man. I I couldn't see myself currently living anywhere else. Like I, I love Virginia, man.
1: Virginia's cool. I tell people all the time when I go out there that I often get the vibe that you can see the guys in their red and blue jackets running around with muskets, you know, if you catch it at the right time at a sunset, you can see these little guys creeping through the woods and doing their battle thing. You can just feel the historical aspects of it the minute you step off a plane. I like that everybody gets around by Amtrak train. It's just very efficient on the East Coast. Seems like they're advanced when it comes to just the way that everybody does things. It's a little less of a a rat race, obviously, with California. You know, we're overpopulated and people are condensed into, you know, two or three major areas uh, between Los Angeles and San Francisco. So it's just very chaotic to get around. And something about the East Coast, You know, people are more business oriented. They say what they mean. Everybody's just trying to get shit done. I'll go. I I like the East Coast. I'd like to go see the Carolinas. Anywhere pretty much except Florida. Uh, I'll cross Florida off the list right now. I have no desire to go to Florida for any purpose or reason. I'm sorry if you have any listeners in Florida, but uh, that's their own fault. And yeah, you know. If you choose to live there, that's on you. Maybe Miami gets a pass. I'd like to do a food tour in Miami. But other than that, I'd, I think two days there, I'd be fine. But And then going further up east, I don't think I'd want to go to the northeast. So, yeah, I'd have to be somewhere in the in the mid-east, if you will. Sure. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see where the jobs are at, where the money's at, where the markets are at, where housing's affordable, where Hunter's at. There's a lot of things that you got to factor in. So
0: Yeah. Well, dude, you're always uh, you're always welcome on the east coast, dude. My people welcome you.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: All right, well... Now that we got that crap out of the way, dude, April 7th is the next big fight you and I and the world gets to see. There's other fights that are on the, along the way, but the next big fight is uh April 7th, UFC 223. Big card. Absolutely stacked. Like I have three, six, nine, like twelve or no, eleven fights that I wanna see. Like some bigger names, some small names, dude. I'm very excited for, it, dude. So do you wanna go you wanna run through the list or what do you want to do this?
1: Yeah, do you want to go top to bottom or do you want to go bottom to top? Let's start with the
0: least favorite fights that I want to watch. So the one that I have at the bottom is Alex Caceres and Artem Lobov. Yep. Yeah, dude. So if anyone doesn't know Alex Caceres, I call him... uh, Bruce Leroy? Yeah, Bruce Leroy. Leroy. Yeah, and then Artem Lobov, he is uh, probably known for Conor McGregor's training partner, right? Yep. So who do you got on
1: that one, man? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and go with Bruce Leroy. Uh, if you look at their records, they actually match up pretty well in that respect. I haven't been thoroughly impressed by Artem. I, I think that you know a lot of people will allude to his toughness and the fact that he can take a beating. Uh, I know Feely put a hurting on him yeah. recently and and did some work. And you know I'm all, I'm first team all Feely. <laughs> so I, I just think that he's likely on the tail end of his deal, and he's obviously benefited from Conor McGregor. He benefited from he's one of the the cherry overs from the nate diaz fight but at 14 and 14 there's no other platform there's just no other way this guy's in the usc yeah. um but they do have bruce leroy who's got the crazy hair he's got a good brand he's got an exciting fight style he does show up to bring it good ground good solid ground game from bruce leroy so it'll be interesting to see i, I gotta take bruce in that fight just based on activity i have a feeling it'll go to decision uh neither one of these guys are known for finishing guys yeah height reach everything's the same there one of those you know, It's a pick fight. It's really a pick fight. I think it's evenly matched. It's a good match by the UFC, but I really think this is to just get their contracts off the books so they can so they can move on. You know, loser goes home, winner potentially has another shot.
0: Yeah, I'm not super big on it. I mean, no, they're pretty decent-sized names, so I'm obviously going to watch it. It'll be exciting to watch, but really couldn't care who wins or loses. If I had to pick, I would say Alex Caceres, Bruce Lee, I'd definitely say he was, he's going to win a decision because I think it will go to a decision. I don't think anyone's getting knocked out there, you know?
1: Yeah, 100%. For sure.
0: And then the fight after that that I want to watch is Evan Dunham. And I forget the guy's first name, but his last name is Oban Mercier. Do you know him? Olivier. Olivier Oban Mercier. That's correct, dude. So I'm a big fan he of Evan French. Dunham.
1: He is French. He's French-Canadian. Oh.
0: Yeah, he's one of them Canadians. I'm very, I'm big on Evan Dunham. Do you remember when he fought uh,
1: Sean the Muscle Shark Shirt? That would have been so long ago. Yeah, I don't remember that fight specifically, just being honest. But I can tell you that Sean Shirk hasn't fought the UFC for quite some time. So, But I have seen Evan, Devin, Evan Dunham fight uh, a number of times. I, I'm really impressed by that guy.
0: Yeah, so him and then Oban uh, Mercier, I think that'll be an exciting fight. I'm going to say Evan Dunham just because... You know, I'm a bigger fan. I don't know more about the other guy, so picking favorites.
1: I believe uh, Mercier, he's a training partner to GSP. I think he's one of his other understudies in there with Rory and uh, that camp. Yeah. So he's for sure going to come in pretty tough. I also think he's got momentum on his side. He's obviously got youth. I think Evan Dunham brings the experience advantage by far. I think that he's also brings that toughness. You're not going to just go in there and take Evan Dunham out with I mean, he's seen everything. The guy, for only having 25 fights that are on the books, sure, he's seen a lot more things than that. But you know, this guy's not going to be surprised by anything you're bringing in, and he's going to be tough to take out. But I do believe that uh, Mercier is going to come in and get the job done.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm again, I'm not super big on those fight on that fight. I'm a bigger fan of Evan Dunham, but I'm going with him. You're going with Obama Mercier. That'll be a cool fight still to watch. Right after that, I don't know who Joe Lozon is fighting, but anytime Joe Lozon fights. Dude, I love watching a fight. His ground game is slick. He never gives up. He's always, not always, busy. he has a bunch of bloody wars. I love watching the guy fight.
1: Joe Lozon has my all-time favorite submission in the UFC. Uh, it was the transitional triangle that he hit. I forget who the opponent was. I want to say Jim Miller, but I'd have to, I'd have to fact check that. Uh, but he was in the process of taking somebody's back and actually reverse course and threw up just the slickest triangle I've ever seen in my life. And I've tried it so many times to only get stuffed and put on my back and then brutally taken over. But Joe Lozon, yeah, is, I, I love his story. I, I follow him on social media, story about his kid and how involved he is. I just think that Joe Lozon, to me, is a good fighter for young fighters to watch. In, this guy's never held a championship belt, um, but he's never lacked for exciting. He's never been out of a job. There's never been a Joe Lozon fight where I was like, mm, I don't want to watch that. Like, I want to watch this guy fight every single time he steps in there. Sure. I think he's competed against some of the guys at the highest level. He's been doing it forever. Uh, this is a guy that I just, I root for as a human more than a fight. Like, I'm, <laughs> I would, Joe Lozon's like top five. If I had a poker table, fighters that I would like to play for a night with, Joe Lozon would be at that table. Like, this guy's just the all-American all guy. You know what I'm saying? He's, he's an alpha. He's an alpha.
0: Yeah, dude, he's a technically sound fighter. I love watching him fight. His transitions are slick. I think he's a very talented individual.
1: He's got everything. He's tough as shit. He can bleed forever. He can fight through pain. He's never going to quit on you. And he can submit you at any time. Yeah. Literally at any time, he can submit you and from any position. Put him on his back, he's fine. Put him on top, he knows what he's doing. This guy's just, he's a wizard. <laughs> the wizard i would i would pay a decent amount of money to train with that guy for a day 100 percent.
0: the next fight that i have written down it's i'm not super big on it but i do like felice herrig and you know carolina Kowalkowitz. yep oh dude she's such a cutie uh
1: yeah this is definitely one of those fights that the ufc could market in a different direction but <laughs> sure. for us that are fans obviously we know both these girls are are bad and they can. I mean, they could probably both kick both of our asses. Yeah. Um, at the same time. Yeah, for sure. So, thoroughly really impressed. I'm gonna go with Carolina in this fight. I just, I love that calm demeanor. I love the way she is just resting with her hands behind her back as she's being introduced before fights. Uh, I think Felice is hit or miss. I think that she's one of the smartest fighters in the game when it comes to marketing herself and her brand. But I think if I was to go skill for skill, technicality to technicality, I think Carolina, with just the experience that she has, uh, I just think that she's, she's going to have what it takes. I think she actually lights up Felice. I think she beats her by TKO. Dang. That's,
0: that's a tough call, man, because I've seen a lot more Felice Herrick's fights than Carolina Kowalkiewicz. but. The most memorable fight I have for Carolina is when she fought Joanna. That wasn't even a competition, dude. I mean, Joanna's a different breed in her own. We, we'll talk about her later. I'm going to go with Felice on That one just, I'd say that she's been in the game a lot longer. So I'm just, I'm going to go with her, you know?
1: No, I think Carolina, coming off of that type of experience, once you've been in there with the best, she also fought Claudia Gadelia and lost. So I think that those two losses probably did more for her career. She does hold a win over Rose. Namiones, yeah. Uh Heather Clark. I mean, she's got some decent, credible victories. So I think coming off of those two losses, uh, she does have a win in between there. She hasn't fought since uh, since October. But um, I think that she learned probably more than those are the only two losses on her record. And those are top three, four, or five fighters in the world. Uh, obviously, Joanna was unstoppable there for a minute. Yeah. But I, I just think Carolina Police, again, is, is hit or miss. We'll, we'll see. That's why they fight. I mean, to say Felice Perry isn't capable of winning this fight, that'd be a lie.
0: For sure. It'll be exciting to watch. They're both cuties. I'll I'll watch it, for sure. But, <laughs> and then there's that, right? <laughs> And then there's that. So the next four fights that I have, I'm very ecstatic for. All right. I've been a big fan within the past year, maybe year and a half, of Ally Aquina, right? Yes. Probably just for the past year, year and a half, dude. I like that. How much trash he's talking. I like how he fights. He's fighting Paul Felder, dude. That's gonna be a heck of a fight. I hope so, man.
1: I think that that's a bad fight to come back to. That's not to take away from Aykintay. I think that that's a bad man right there. It comes from a good solid camp, but I just feel like that's. I understand what he's trying to do. That's the best fight to take to make a name right now. Sure, but I Paul Felder I think, just in a class by himself. I don't. I don't think. There's, there's not a lot of people with as much momentum behind them as Paul Felder has right now. And also got to meet Paul Felder at Benito's USC debut, and that was cool. We were the same size. That was crazy. <laughs> you know, and it's been almost a year. And just looking at, uh, you know, Ali again, has beat some solid people with his most recent victories, Diego Sanchez. So take with that what you will. I, just, I think Paul Felder's got the momentum behind him. It's gonna, that's going to be a crazy fight. Yeah. That's going to be a ground-and-pound fest. I don't see a lot of stand-up exchanges in that fight, but I do think we're going to see one of the more technical ground beatings of the card, for sure.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely going with Paul Felder on that one, even though I do love watching Al a fight. I definitely say that Paul is just a more seasoned veteran, and I love watching him talk, dude, especially on like the UFC breakdowns, dude. He's a very knowledgeable individual. Well, and I think that that helps,
1: right? His ability to break down a fight. I mean, imagine he's breaking down these fights and giving the fans you know, detailed points about what's happening and he's doing this in, in live and in person as it's happening. So I could only imagine what that guy's film sessions are like, right? Like if him and his team are talking about Ayakinta and they're watching the film and they're going through his game plan, I can only imagine how, how much they're able to study and pick apart everything. I think they're going to come in with a solid game plan. And I know Ayakinta has some weird training methods. He does this light training that I've seen on some of the USC unleashed and yeah. Uh, he does these reaction time training so it's really interesting to see some of the methods that these guys are incorporating at the highest level to prepare themselves but i just think also paul felder has a certain toughness and i think there's no pressure on paul felder i think all the pressure is on ayakinto like you said he's been talking a lot of trash about his employer and, and the division and i could go better and do you know i can do all this and i don't need to fight for money and and that's great i'm glad he's put himself in a position where fighting can be secondary But I also think you put yourself in a position where you need to perform and you need to perform very well because you're under a microscope at this point. Sure. And I I think Paul Felder has the luxury of just coming in and being Paul Felder and doing what he does. And and it's up to Iaquinta to to put that all out of his mind. I'm sure he can. But that'll be an interesting thing to factor into the fight.
0: I'm also excited to see where it goes to on the ground because uh, for the people that don't know, Ally Aquinta trains with Matt Serra, uh, one of the first white American black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, if I'm correct, right? You are
1: also on also on that
0: list, Ed O'Neill. I don't know Ed O'Neill, honestly.
1: The married with children guy. Really? He is a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. He was one of the first under the gracie's in Los Angeles.
0: That's surprising.
1: It's pretty crazy. So while he was shooting, married with children, he was also learning how to kick your ass.
0: <laughs> That's still pretty cool, dude. But I like when he comes from a good camp, training with Matt Sarah all the time. That's a heck of a camp. So I think that'll be a solid fight. Still going with Paul Felder, though.
1: I gotta go with Paul Felder. Yeah,
0: and then the next fight I'm still pretty excited about. I'm not big. I mean Michael Chiesa he's a I think he's a talented individual. He's fighting Anthony Pettis. Anthony Pettis is a former champion. He's fought in multiple weight divisions. I like watching them both fight. I'm not I would definitely say that Anthony Pettis' brand has faded a lot. Still going to watch it. Still going to be a slugfest. I like that uh Michael Chiesa his I like his background. I like that he, when he came on the Ultimate Fighter, he shared a story of how he, like, overdosed on drugs and then, like, turned his life around and, you know, turned into the blossoming flower he is today. You know what I mean?
1: When I feel like he lost uh one of his parents, I don't know if it was his mom or his dad, during the season, and so he was one of the few fighters that was allowed to go back into the outside world. That's right. His, I, think it was his, I think it was his dad, and then he went to his dad's funeral, and the day later, he's back, and two days later, he's fighting for his future and for his life and the ultimate fighter. So, you know, this is a guy who probably doesn't have a lot of worries in life. Um, I think he thoroughly enjoys just being a part of the sport. Anthony Pettis, man, that's one of the more fascinating stories in sports to go from a Wheaties box champion and a highlight reel kick that will live in, in infamy for the next thousand years. For sure, uh, It's one of those, it's crazy. But then you look at who Pettis has fought. I mean, this guy's fought murderers row for the Everybody. last five, six years. Yeah, he's fought everybody. Yeah, he's fought everybody. He hasn't turned anybody away. Uh, He also said, hey, I'm going to fight Clay Guida because I don't want to wait around for a title shot when he came over to the UFC, right, and lost. Mm -hmm. And Clay Guida came in and and derailed that hype train, and then what did he do? He bounced back. You know, an unsuccessful venture to 45, which I think a lot of fighters... When they're going through a streak, they feel like that's the natural option is to just drop weight, and that didn't work out for him. He's back in his natural weight class of 155 pounds. To say that the guy never shows up in fights is absolutely ridiculous. I think Anthony Pettis is one of them still most exciting guys. I yeah. think he's great for taking risks and kind of laying it out there and, and seeing what happens, but I think Chiesa has the, the ground advantage by far. Yeah. And so I think as long as this fight stays standing, I, I'll take Pettis all day. I think that if Kiesa gets a hold of him and can get this thing to the ground, then I think to submits him with a rear naked choke round two. Call it.
0: Yeah, that's a tough, that's a tough uh, pick for me. I'm, I think I'm. If it stands up, like you said, I'm gonna go with Anthony Pettis. But if it goes to the ground, I'm gonna go with Michael Kiesa. So that's that's a tough call. But I think, I think it'll go to the ground. I think the first round, you know, obviously is gonna be standing up, trading back and forth. But I think towards the end of the first round, someone's going to take a shot, most likely Michael Kiesa, and hopefully submit him in the second. You know, I think it'll be a good good match. I'm not big on both of them, but I, it's still definitely exciting to watch, you know.
1: Yeah, I don't see is trying to take this thing to the ground, so I think that'll be interesting Is if he can stay to the outside and keep Kiesa at a distance. And I think he knows that he can't let him get inside because if he puts him on the cage, a number of things can happen. So, crazy fight, dude. Yeah, it's going to be nuts. It's a good fight.
0: But the next two fights, so I I just get so freaking happy thinking about it. It's so crazy, dude. When Thug Rose, Thug Rose, Nama Yunus and Yoanna Young-Jacek, when they fought before, dude, Yoanna uh, was on the top of the world, man. Dude, she didn't have an end in sight. And then she got blasted and she got put out, dude. That was so freaking nuts. I was, ex- I was, I was screaming. You know, I was like, ah, like you know, because I didn't think Joanna uh, was gonna lose. Like I didn't think she was gonna lose for her whole career. And then she got blasted and put out, dude. That was crazy.
1: It was the beauty of the sport and why you have to watch. There's no such thing as a safe assumption. And even in all the fights that we've talked about, these things could go out and be over in five seconds with one punch sure. at this level. And so I think that that was the best thing that could have happened for the sport. I've been following Rose forever when she had hair. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if a lot of people remember when she had hair. And I, you know, she was going to fight Paige and they tried to market it as a beauty versus beauty and she shaved her head right this isn't a beauty contest it's a fight yeah. and I think that she had a lot of fans at that point and I just think that I think Rose is going to do it again and I, I if I'm Joana, I come out I don't change a thing I think if you change your routine and you, the way you conduct yourself I think that you've shown that uh, Rose has gotten inside your head
0: yeah
1: but I think that Rose mentally I listen to her podcast with uh, Joe Rogan and I think that she's just on another level mentally. The way she approaches fights, the way she approaches camps, uh, her approach to her weight cut, just everything that she does around a fight is so thoughtful and analytical. And it's incredibly intense to learn how much preparation mentally she does to deal with a Joanna who's largely gotten by in her career on just intimidating the shit out of her opponents. And she scares me just watching her on TV. Like, I, I don't know what I would do if somebody dropped. 10 inches and then started trying to look me straight in the eye with some cr- weird, crazy face. And she also speaks really broken English, which for some reason is even more intimidating, right? <laughs> I, I, I just think that I think Rose does it again. And I think Rose, I don't think it'll be as quick. I think Joanna's not going to come in underestimating. I think she'll have a much smarter approach. I think she'll be much more calculated. But I think that Rose ends up taking over in round three. Maybe TKO's her in round four. I, I think the result is the same. And I think, I think Rose is going to be the champ for quite a while.
0: Dude, maybe I'm still on Ioana's train. Maybe I haven't got off, dude. And I'm—I love Rose Namajunas. I think she, I still think she's a freaking cutie, even though she doesn't have hair. Like, but I don't know, dude. Something about Ioana, dude. She—I think she is. She is a person is meant to be champion, dude. She is a freaking grinder. She hits hard. She goes in there to kill you. She doesn't let up. She got blasted. So I'm I'm not saying that she fell off the train and oh like she's never going to be champion again. I'm still going with you on a man. That's that's going to be an exciting fight, dude.
1: It will be I mean, it's crazy that that's just a, that could be its own main event. Yeah. I mean, it it really is a main event fight. I think it has enough interest. The world is going to be watching another great thing for women's MMA. This is this is if the card ended right here. I'm totally a happy customer with my purchase. Uh, I do believe in purchasing the fights from time to time so that I can support the fighters. Sure. Even though the UFC makes the bulk of the money. I'm totally fine if the if the card ended right here. But lucky for us, the yeah. card does not end here.
0: Dude, I'm so glad it doesn't end here. Because literally, all right, I think one of the greatest wrestlers, one of the greatest ground-and-pound monstrous killers is gonna be fighting this or that weekend so i already know who i'm going for and i kind of feel like i know who you're going for but the main event is khabib normagov medov and tony ferguson i'm so so head over heels excited for us they were originally supposed to fight they, let's see what khabib got he said he got hurt or he was overweight and he ended up in the hospital this is the second time that they're actually trying to make this fight I'm going with Khabib, man. Khabib, man, all the way, dude, 100%. I I mean, Tony Ferguson is no slouch, but hear me out. Here's my MMA math that never works, but this is my reasoning. All right, Tony, you and I have talked about this before, but Tony Ferguson had trouble with Kevin Lee. Yes, he submitted Kevin Lee, but he had trouble with him in the beginning. One thing that you brought up, I believe it was you, that Tony Ferguson is an overall athlete, way better than Khabib. Very true, but... I think Khabib's going to beat the piss out of him. I think that they're going to go to the ground a couple times, get back up, but I, I think it's going to end with Khabib on top. That's my pick, man. That's what I'm going with.
1: I think that well, he has to. Right? Khabib has no choice in this fight but to take him to the ground. If he tries to stand with Tony Ferguson, it's going to end quickly and it's going to end violently. I think that Michael Johnson exposed not only Khabib's not-so-great stand-up, and I, again, I'm saying this without having ever sparred the dude, but from what I've seen, compared to some of the highest level strikers in his division, let alone the sport, his stand up is terrible. He's very robot like. He's flat footed. He has no foot movement. He's not active in there, right? He's constantly thinking about the takedown. And so when you look past the stand up, I think the longer he stays on his feet, the worse it's going to be for him. And then I think if he takes a couple punches from Tony Ferguson, assuming he survives said punches, I think he tries to get him down. But I also looking just looking at the 155 division. I don't think there's many guys that can fight off their back the way Tony Ferguson does. I think that Tony Ferguson is again just the most athletic. He's he's going to be big. There, I just think Tony Ferguson presents so many problems in so many areas where Habib is used to dominating. I just I don't see I don't see Habib doing what he's done to everybody. Else. And I granted I say this off of just so, who is it? He just gave a one-sided beatdown to with Edson Barboza.
0: Yeah,
1: I, I just and I mean that was a beating like you've never seen. But he couldn't finish the fight. Whether he didn't want to or he was just trying to spare Edson, I'm, I'm not entirely sure. Uh, I know Habib likes to talk to his opponents. I, I feel like he was apologizing to Michael Johnson when he was kicking the shit out of him. No, he did you hear um, what just he was saying. <laughs> he say, I, "I must fight for the title. I apologize. You must go through." You know, he was basically apologizing to him for the beating he was laying on him. But he wasn't even focused on the fight at that point. It was it was almost like it was muscle memory for him. So, and that's a scary thing to think. If I'm Tony Ferguson, you have to be aware of that. Also, Kevin Lee, I think, is one of the more massive 155ers in the division. And even though he had a staff infection, he was probably put into that fight a little sooner. And, it, and styles make fights. I think that we get caught up in where these guys are at sometimes. And everybody's style presents unique challenges. Um, if I remember right, that fight was made on somewhat short notice. And you're noticing at the highest levels that game plans are everything. Uh, I thought Kevin Lee did great to come in and do what he did and, and, expose some things about Tony Ferguson, but there's just not a lot of parts of me that think that Habib is, is going to control this fight the way that the world thinks that he is. And I'm saying that off of every performance he's ever had. He's left no doubt. He is, he is the UFC's Ben Askren. Uh, maybe Ben Askren is the fight for him to make. That would be an interest. That to me would be a more entertaining fight. I hate to say it, but I, now that I think about it, saying it out loud, uh, because those are two of the greatest ground fighters in the world, right? Um, I hope Habib doesn't get caught up in trying to prove a point that he can stand and bang, because he will lose. He will end up asleep.
0: Yeah, but you remember when Habib fought Rafael Dos Anjos, a very effective striker. He beat the mess out
1: of him. Beat the mess out of him. But I, that's also a perfect body frame for somebody like Habib. Dos Anjos is, while a massive, you know, at the time 55, er he's still short. He's compact. His arms aren't very long. His speed is not crazy. He hits with a lot of power. and He hits with a lot of ferocity. He's coming at you with violent intentions. But I think ultimately he plays right into Habib's style. And also, I've always said, and I'm a jiu-jitsu proponent, I love jiu-jitsu, I think that good wrestling will stifle great jiu-jitsu. And so it's, it's interesting, again, saying that with, you know, Tony Ferguson's background. He's obviously a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt under Eddie Bravo. So he's going to be no slouch on the ground. Mm-hmm. But I think that where, where Tony Ferguson can separate himself in this fight is his ability to scramble. And it's going to be about his ability to get up once Habib gets a takedown. Because Habib will get a takedown at some point in this fight. Yeah. I think it's just going to be about Tony Ferguson's ability to get up and scramble in those exchanges and get back to his feet. Because that, to me, is where the key is. It's like Habib wants to stand there and prove a point and trade with Tony Ferguson. He's going to lose. And I think that if Tony Ferguson really wants to go play the game of um, Habib to prove a point, that could end very, very badly for him, right? But where's Habib when he's on his back? When's the last time we've seen Habib on his back? That's another component to watch out for. That's why this fight is just so crazy to think about all the possibilities. And we're a couple weeks away. I don't want anybody to get hurt. I'm trying to reserve my excitement just in case I have to be disappointed for the sixth time or seventh time, whatever it is. But this is the fight to make. I hope Conor McGregor is cage side because I just think it's it's the fight. This is the fight of the year. This has to be the fight of the year. I'm trying to think of another fight. Unless John Jones and Brock Lesnar happens. (laughs) Even then, I'm still not. I don't care as much. Daniel Cormier versus Sipe might be the only other fight that has this much excitement for me. But to me, this is your fight of 2018. It has to be.
0: It has to be, dude. I've been excited. I'm always excited to watch both those guys fight. I'm excited to watch Khabib continue his unbeaten streak. And I'm excited to watch Tony Ferguson, dude. That guy's a killer. He's no slouch. Like, I have nothing against Tony Ferguson. I think he's an ultimate fighter. I think the guy is talented everywhere. I just think that he's going to get shut down. That's my pick. You want to make a bet on Airman?
1: What do you want to bet on it? Hmm.
0: Well, I mean, we always bet lunch, and that's always a safe bet. Like, I always love
1: Chipotle. $25 in Chipotle gift card. Oh, $25. Uh,
0: alright right, let's do it. $25, alright right? I'm going Tony Ferguson. Are we just doing one fight only?
1: Yeah. All right. Yeah. One fight. Let's be real. This is the one we both we all care about.
0: One fight, twenty five bucks. Heck yeah, man. Let's do it. All right, man. So our bet is set. If the Khabib and Ferguson fight goes to the fight, we're gonna go for that. But if not, we'll go with the uh, the follow up or the runner up, Thug Rose versus Joanna. So you're you're sticking with uh, Thug Rose, eh?
1: That's that's my girl. All
0: right, man. So that's we'll do that. Twenty five dollar. Uh, Chipotle bet, well, let's do it, man.
1: You heard it here first. All right, man. Anything else you want to say? Uh, Yeah, I'm trying to currently get you set up on a podcast with my my boy, Anthony Hernandez, who's the current uh, LFA middleweight champion, coming off a recent victory, a five-round war, where he just dominated. Uh, I'm also campaigning for a super fight with this guy in a grappling match. (laughs) Uh, We're trying to do it in a cage atmosphere with uh, all the proceeds going to charity, so I'm going to be trolling him online. So for all my listeners, I'll be reaching out for support. We're trying to get this campaign. We're trying to get this going. <laughs> it is all in friendly nature, but I'm going to be talking mad shit to him once okay. we get it finalized. Uh, I'll be training my ass off. He's a, he's a beast. He's one of my good friends. He's, he's a killer. in the. Ca- I would never fight this man with my fist. But I feel pretty confident in my ability to take him out in a grappling match. And So we've been going back and forth in a war of words for quite some time. So uh, we'll try to get him on the podcast, and you can get his thoughts on how he's going to handle his defeat. And, um, you know, we'll go from there. So that's that's what's up on the docket. Heck
0: yeah, man, dude. Uh, set me up with him. That'd be great, man.
1: Yeah, dude. I think you'll really enjoy it. All
0: right, you guys, this has been another episode of the Weekly Hangover. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.